0: So excited to have you here today, and thank you so much, Zelina Hall, for the awesome intro music. She's a beautiful example of a young lady who is turning autism into awesomism by becoming a country star. She's not letting her autism hold herself back. If you get a chance, put her on your Spotify or any other playlist. She's great. We are super excited today. As I said in on my social media, we are starting an 8-week series on small business and autism and to kick it off, we have an awesome action coach. He's a business coach. He's really good. We met Andrew through our networking and we asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast and he said, "Yes." So we're thrilled to get this going. So, grab your cup of coffee, sit back and listen for some awesome tips. Okay. So Andrew, this is Andrew Lamb with Action Coach here in Northwest Houston, but he can coach you everywhere. So don't just think he can only do this here in Northwest Houston. So Andrew, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and give us your background and what you do, and then we'll go
1: from there. Awesome. Thank you, Lynn. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Um, So my name is Andrew Lamb. As you can probably tell from the accents, I'm not from these their parts. Um, I uh, originate from uh, Dublin, Ireland, um, but um, I've been here in Houston since 2001 and now call it home. Um, so um, I'm now the CEO and owner of Action Coach Northwest Houston, as Lynn said. Um, and I've been in Action Coach just over a, uh, just under a year now. Um, previous to that, I was an executive at a uh, very large uh, technology company um, where I spent a lot of time going around the world, and uh, managing the business, managing other businesses, helping those businesses. Um, so I did that for a number of years, probably over the last 25 years. Um, personally, I'm uh, married to my lovely wife, Sinead, uh, who's also from Ireland. Um, she's from the west of Ireland, and we've been together now over 25 years and married for 22 Um, I've got a daughter, Emma, and she is 20, and now um, studying physical therapy, and they're up in Baylor. Um, And then our son, James, um, he's 17, he's a senior in high school at uh, Klein-Kane, and uh, he's heading off to OU uh, in 2021, so very excited for him. So um, my education background, I have a, a degree in international business, and I also have a master's. Uh, in um, in business. So um, well-traveled, well-educated, and uh, seen a lot. And like the ad says, I know a thing or two because I think I've seen a thing or two.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's true. I mean, I, I, I truly believe, you know, I've been in lots of places in the world, including places that most people won't go to, like Yemen. And I learned a lot by going to places like that. I think It's true. A certain amount of your education comes from books and a certain amount comes from life and world experiences. And I think it allows you to connect with people in ways that maybe otherwise you couldn't. So I think it's great. And I've never been to Ireland. I've been to England multiple times, but Ireland is definitely on my bucket list. I want to go desperately. I have friends that went there just to play golf.
1: Well, let's get it off your bucket list and let's get you guys over there, you know, when this pandemic's over. Uh, Beautiful country, uh, fantastic people, great hospitality, and everybody I've ever known that I've sent over there just can't wait to get back. So uh, anybody has uh, any questions about how to get there, what to do, uh, give me a call. Let me know. I'll be quite happy to help you out.
0: Perfect. Okay, so let's start out with um, a question that a lot of people come to me with when um i get involved with autism families Mm -hmm. the number one thing that i hear from autism families is their biggest concern is who is going to take care of my child when i'm gone and Mm -hmm. that doesn't just mean who is physically going to take care of my child right a lot of times it means financially Mm -hmm. how you know if i have to put my child into an assisted living how do i come up with as, and I say this all the time if it's even 5000 a month times 12 months times 25 years you do the math mm-hmm. how do i how do i come up with this how or if a family member does take them how do they uh, how are they able to take care of them financially add on to that cost etc mm-hmm. so this is part of the biggest reason why i want to do this series on small business and autism And one of the questions that I hear is, can, oh, I don't know how to own a small business. Can I? Should I? What is the pros? What are the cons Mm -hmm. of having a small business? And who better to ask than you?
1: (laughs) Thanks, Lynn. Um, So pros and cons of of starting any business, whether it be a family business, whether it be the business themselves. But, you know, when you look at the pros, there's a number of things around the pros is you know, the financial game. What you make is your money at the end of the day, less, less your outgoings. But, you know, the, the money that the business can make can be yours. Um, and you can take that money and either utilize it to build that business up, or you can invest that money and, and do, in, in, you know, proper long-term investments, you can do that. The other areas around independence, you know, owning a small business gives you some form of independence. Now, some would argue that you don't get a lot of independence because you're working on the business all the time. But, you know, if it's managed properly or it's set up properly, you can get a lot of independence from a small business uh, if you set that up well. You also got the control. I mean, you make the decisions, you understand where it's going. If you're working for somebody else, you don't really have that control. You know, a lot of businesses, let's say you're in California now, a lot of businesses are moving to Texas. Do you have that control if you're working for somebody else? The answer is no. Um, and then the other thing is that a lot of people like is your own, your, your own boss. You know, you make, get, make to get the decisions. Uh, you get to decide what we do and how we do it. But there's a lot of people out there that want to be their own boss. Now, those are the problems, uh, the, the pros, I should say, the financial, the independence, the control of being your own boss. There are some downsides. So there is a large time commitment. So especially when you're setting up, you get what you put in at the end of the day. So there is a, a large time commitment when you're setting up there is risk, you know, 2020 is, is taught as one thing, you know, there's a lot of risk out there and we've got to make sure that we're managing that risk appropriately. And um, there is uncertainty. So this is why we also, when we're, we're talking to potential business owners, let's have a look at the risk. Let's look at the uncertainty. What are you looking? What is the market? How do you believe that the market is going to be there in the long term? So how do you do your SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats? What do you do around that? And then the other thing you've got to consider is what is the dollar that you've got to uh, commit? So setting up a small business, are you going to get a loan? Well, if you're getting a loan, you're going to pay that back. Are you going to pay that back? Are you going to invest your money, your own money? And how are you going to pay for that overall business? So when you're looking at the pros and cons, you've really got to sit down and have a look at it from both the positive and the negative. And then I'm going to add in when you add in family, because you mentioned family business. You also got to look at the family, and you've got to add in the dynamics and how those dynamics may evolve over time. Um, so again, many strong families out there, but when you get into business, you know, you've got to make some hard decisions at times. You're going to be making some decisions that others may not like, uh, or support. I mean, you're going to be gaining that support. So just be careful when you're, when you're setting up that family business that you've got that reliable support, you've got that ability to have open conversations and honest conversations, and really outline the pros and cons of that business before you get engaged and before you start spending that money. Because these are very, very important life-changing events.
0: Oh, I agree. I that That's great advice. I love that. Because I do think, too, that one of the things that concerns families Uh, In the autism, and I'm speaking from an autism family because that's what I am—a full-time autism activist. Yes. Okay. I'm—I happen to have three older children, so I'm in a situation where I, one of my older children, could take over the small business that we have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because there's three of them, doesn't mean they want to, but there, there's definitely more with three. There's a greater opportunity. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that does concern some of the families is they may not have another child or if they do they have one and they're in a different career right. and all of a sudden you know you have this family business and you, you you choose to start this family business to help get the income that you need to help your child with autism and mm-hmm. then you're gone who takes on that business who carries on that business right because right. a lot of times an autistic child cannot carry it on you mm-hmm. know Yes. I mean, Peyton, we just started Peyton's Etsy shop, Team Awesomeism. He's doing really well with it. He hand makes all the items. But there's a lot to it that Mark and I have to help him with because it's not something he can necessarily take on. And if one of my older children, if we were both gone, they wouldn't make It would require my older children to help him with some of this. He can make the items. He knows how to put them onto social media. There's a lot of things he can do with it, but there's other things he can't. And I think this is another struggle that some of the families have is I would love to own my own business, but how do I make sure that this business then is also set up for the future to be able to sell And or someone else take over and my child still can get the benefits of it or sell it for enough that it can then be put into a special needs trust, etc. And these are all the things that I think sometimes we take for granted or when we're starting a business, we get so excited about starting a business and not think some Mm -hmm. of this through and then we get hit with it. that's why i think planning at the beginning which is part of the reason why i wanted you as my first guest because your entire focus is if you're going to do it let's do it right you know anybody can set up a business and most everybody fails at it so you know you have all these visions of lollipops and rainbows that everybody's going to make it well my business isn't going to fail well you know if you had a nickel for everybody who says that and fails you know, we'd all be
1: making (laughs) 1000000s We'd be good. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to kick this off with you.
1: Mm -hmm. My
0: husband was listening to a podcast the other day and there was a guy on there as a guest and he completely changed his career. And one of the things that he said, and this hit me really hard when Mark told me this, was he said, when we are in, you know, a stressful situation, we make some of our worst decisions, our most expensive decisions Mm -hmm. when we're
1: stressed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And I think that's especially true when you own a business, you start losing, I mean, haven't we all watched, you know, The Prophet with Marcus Limonis or Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine and two of my very favorite shows and two of my very favorite people. And, you know, someone's gonna lose their restaurant, they're gonna lose their house because they attach their house to their restaurant, or there are other small business, and these two guys come in there, and people argue with them. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. Right. Sitting at home, yelling at the TV, going, "What do you mean you're not doing it? They're saving your business."
1: <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right. As as you look at that, and, and I mean, we we come across this all the time. But you know, one of the things that I ask businesses is, is when you're setting up a business. And I think this is very pertinent to autism as well. But when you're thinking of setting up a business. The number one question you should be asking is, when are you going to sell it? What are you going to do with this business at the end? And as you said, you've actually got three choices. Okay? The number one choice is sell that business for enough revenue to support your family, you in your uh, retirement, and in the case of autism, enough money to support uh, that child into their life. So how do you build a business in which that you can sell it that enables you to do that? The other choice you said, and you said it rightly, is how do you create passive income? How do you create a business that actually can support itself without you actually being involved? And that's one of the things that we do here in Action Coach. But how do you build that business? And we call it commercial profitable enterprise that works without you, if you wish. But how do you build it so it actually can operate? You put a general manager in place, and that business continues to operate and the money keeps coming in. That's a passive income. Now, there still is a little bit of work that you've got to do. You've got to set some of the vision, some of the work, but again, you can get people in to help you through that. One of, the, one of those is a good business because that will always provide you money. So that should always outlive you. And if you set it up right, for, you know, again, as we're looking at children with autism, as they go into their lives, How do you make sure that that's set up so it can provide income for them? The other alternative, and and as I said, there's only three alternatives. The other alternative is the bad alternative, is you just close. You close without revenue, you you close without sale, um, you close without passive income, and unfortunately 75% of businesses in Texas do that today. Um, So that's one of the things that we're trying to reverse um, across all businesses, is to really start asking that hard question. We We ask this to all of the businesses that we work with is, when are you going to sell the business? And or are you going to make it so you're going to have permanent passive income? So th- those are the choices you have at the end of the day. There are no other, as you said, lollipops and rainbows out there. There's three hard choices at the end of the day. And you know one of the things that we've got to make sure that we're doing in business is understanding what that is, what the end result is going to be. So do you need that $4 million at the end? Or do you need that $50,000 a week coming in? What is the options? What are those options you you need? Um, and then you've got to set up the business so it actually provides for you. Because that's why we're in business, is to provide us the level of income so that we can enjoy our lives, correct?
0: Exactly. I, yeah, you know, you were talking about 75% of the businesses that close. There was a coffee shop up not too far from us here, mm-hmm. one of my favorite places. I sold pies, I sold all kinds of stuff they decided to right after covid you know they were thinking of go, of closing anyway retiring yep and it's gone it's gone yep okay terrible and it it is terrible because it was one of our favorite places they did a good business they were in a nice location mm-hmm. and you know i i was just i was heartbroken and i felt so bad you know i grew up in a family that is now on its fourth generation Okay. In business. I mean, my grandfather started it over 90 years ago, my dad and my uncles ran it and my cousins, my brother was in it for a while before my brother decided to own two seats on the mercantile and be his own uh, <laughs> person. Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, um, you know, and then my cousin, now my cousin's kids run it and they're doing a phenomenal job and, you know, they've carried on the legacy of our family. And I love it because I saw WGN did an interview because they went and did the big Toys for Tots, you know, the Marines Toys for Tots Mm fundraiser. And so my family's, my cousin's kids, well, they're my cousins too, but they're, you know, second cousins. They came with all these, my family's business is Ready Mix cement. (laughs) And they came with all these Ready Mix trucks to donate. And it was so cute because our Ready Mix trucks look like, um, Peppermint sticks, the red one. Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: And so kids are fascinated with those, especially at the holidays. Well, anyway, my cousin's kids came and they donated all these things for Toys for Todd. And WGN in Chicago was doing a big thing. And they said, You know, your family's a staple in Chicago. And it has been. It's a legacy here. And I thought, You know, my grandfather was an immigrant from the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by the grace of God, seriously, he set that business up correctly that we're now in our fourth generation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I grew up in that. So in my mind, this was normal. You know, you just go third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation. Then I get out into the world and people are like, most don't last past second generation. And I'm like, wait, what?
1: Yes, Uh, that is true. That is absolutely true. They don't. And and, and that's another hint as well for, for, for those listening is, um, You never give your business over to somebody. And the reason is that they don't appreciate it, unless they've spent the time working in it, doing their apprenticeship, understanding how to run the business from the bottom up. Um, And one of the things that we see is when they hand the business over, there's a couple of things you've got to be aware of. One, is the IRS going to see that as a gift, by the way? Uh, And then the second thing is, are they going to really value it at the same level that you did, because you put the blood, sweat and tears into the setting of this business. So um, that's what we see with a lot of uh, family businesses that if they haven't put some of the blood, sweat and tears into it as well, um, they're just reaping the rewards until the rewards run out. And that's why a lot of businesses, the second generation, potentially third generation fail. Um, because they just, they just don't have the fundamentals. They don't have that, that basis, that, that hunger that the original owner. Uh, had to set up the
0: business. No, I, 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 do understand that. And, you know, that was one thing that I really, I wish I lost my dad when I was 21 and I'm 60, but I wish my dad was still around for me to say how much I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Like I worked at the business and, mm. you know, it, I remember when I came in there and, you know, a lot of them that work there, cause it's a very, I mean, it's a large business Yeah, and they, oh, here comes one of them, you know, kind of attitude towards me. And then they realized that I wasn't put into a position of power. Mm-hmm. I was out there slumping, okay, yes. because that's what my dad and my uncle's philosophy to all of us was. Yes. you are not starting out at, you know, you're not sitting behind a desk in an office, okay, because awesome. that's not the way people work, okay? Right. Yes. You know, I mean, and my dad was like that. I mean, my sister, bless her heart, I'll never forget this. She had to go work at Heinz Pickle Factory when she was in college. And she would come home at night and we'd almost have it's truth, we'd have to like throw her clothes away because she smelled like vinegar so bad. Okay. And I can remember thinking, you know, come on, this isn't fair, you know. But my dad did that and my uncles did that with my cousins because their attitude was no, 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 no. You're going to learn the value of this. Yes. We worked our tails off. Grandpa worked as we called him Pappy. Pappy worked his tail off to get this. You're not just going to come in here and sit behind a desk and play CEO. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. Plus, you didn't have the skill set for it.
1: Yes, yes. And I, and I remember working in my dad's butchers and my uncle's <laughs> hardware store for many years. And, you know, that, that, that smell of pickles brings me back. I mean, I used to work <laughs> in a potato chip factory. Um, I smelled like a bag of cheese and onion or salsa vinegar or you know one of the other flavors Um, you know when I mean I, when I finished school I wasn't bright enough to go to college in, in Ireland um, and uh, I had to work for a living Um, so it was um, you know I used to come home and I smelled like a bag of cheese and onion crisps
0: <laughs> but you know what that's why you're you're successful now and that's why too because You worked so hard. You're now in a situation where you're helping other people and you can understand, you have a way to be able to tell people to kick them in the butt without kicking them in the butt. And there's something great about that. That's why, you know, like I said, I was excited to have you as my first guest for this kickoff because I want desperately, you know, I live by the old adage, which my dad taught us, which was... You know, give a person a fish, feed them for a day, teach a person to fish, feed them for a lifetime. Exactly. And I want to find solutions. You know, it's easy to run around and just raise awareness. And again, nothing against people that are raising awareness or autism. We need it. We need mm-hmm. it desperately. I want to be active. I want to help find solutions because, you know, I've told this story a thousand times about the family that was homeless, you mm-hmm. know, and autism family, and the guy, the 44-year-old adult, autistic adult, he's blind to one eye, deaf in one ear. He called me today again, Miss Lane, Miss Lane, he's so excited because they're getting their brand new home next week,
1: okay? Great news.
0: We raised all this money so that they could have, and thank goodness we did because his mom passed away a few weeks ago. So he's now living with his brother Mm -hmm. and they're gonna have a brand new safe, secure home. And this is a solution, not just, hey, we'll go put you in a hotel for two weeks so you're not homeless. This is a long-term solution. And this really got me thinking, let's help people make their businesses better, start a business, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. even bring in small businesses or businesses that want to hire autistic adults. And Mm -hmm. what better way than if somebody who is mentoring them and that's exactly what you do you're a coach yes. you're a mentor you're going to help them because we all win the more small businesses thrive the more businesses thrive, the more we all win. And you know I I just I see this as such a necessity this isn't a luxury this is a
1: necessity it, it is and thanks Lynn I mean it, it's it is a necessity. I mean when I look at and talk to many business owners, their, their intent and their intentions are good, um, but it's again sometimes we are you know you've heard the old adage you can't see the forest for the trees and that's usually what happens they can't see the forest for the trees they need guidance they need help and um, and that's kind of what we do in in action coach we, we do everything from you know book clubs all the way up to one on one coaching executive coaching you know we we do it all but it's you know those small businesses that want to get up and going you've got to learn you've got to learn your trade I mean. You know, we've, we've all had those apprenticeships out there. I remember, you know, people serving four or five years apprenticeships as a, as a plumber and a carpenter. Why? Because you had to learn your trade. Same with small businesses. You've got to learn your trade. You may be, you may be good at, you know, baking, for example, but are you good at finance? Are you good at marketing? Are you good at the operations? And um, maybe, maybe not. So that's where we kind of help is we help in, in educating, guiding, uh, we ask tough questions. Um, And that's what we do as always as a coach, we're always the coach. And so I would ask you today, have you got a plan? Have you got a plan for next year? 2020 actually taught us one thing. You've got to have a plan. And by the way, that plan better be dynamic because things change in a dime. Things are going to change next month. Things are going to change in February. Things are going to change in March. You know, um, things change as the blue. So you've got to be able to pivot and change. So one of the things as a mentor as a coach is we're always here and we're asking tough questions. Not only are we asking tough questions, but we're guiding you through that process. We're guiding you to understand the fundamentals that you need to have in place and to make sure that you're making wise decisions with your time and your money and your investment.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, if we had gone around the world a year ago and said, hey, do you think a year from now we will have basically had... The whole world's economy shut down we'd all be running around with masks on and scared to death to even shake hands with somebody um do you think this is going to be our world in a year we'd all be like no and that's our world and you're right we never know and we've got to be prepared for that which kind of brings me to my next question in point what do you see are some of the advantages of working from home. And let me preface it with this. Not only, okay, so many people see that now because of COVID, but I see this as such a big issue for autism for this reason. When you have an autistic adult and if there isn't good uh, places for them to go during the day or they don't wanna go, many parents cannot afford to put them into something and go to work. so. I have, you know, especially moms, because a lot of times the dads Mm -hmm. will go work, Mm -hmm. or you have a single mom, Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. and they're like, I would love to work from home and be able to have my child around me, because the cost to put him into this is so hard. What do you see as advantages from working from home, and how can working from home make you, what do you need to do to be more successful to work from home?
1: Awesome. Great, great question. So... Um, working from home has never been easier um, right now. I mean, the advances of technology, again, I came from a technology background, uh, but the advances of, of technology in the last 12 months or in the last five years is tremendous. Um, there are very, very few jobs that you can't work from home. I mean, one of the things the pandemic has taught us is most jobs can be done from home. You actually see that with corporations now are closing some of their larger facilities because their staff can actually work from home. Um, so, working from home um, can be accomplished for most jobs, um, with some exceptions. For example, if you're if you're a car mechanic, um, you could probably still work from your garage. But you know, can you do can you do the paint jobs and things like that? Um, working from home gives you flexibility. Okay, so again, we're we're in an economy where flexibility is becoming the norm. Um, in my previous role, I always worried about making sure the job was done. Did I really care whether it was done at 6am in the morning or four o'clock in the afternoon? No, so long as the job was done that day, so long as the results were there. So, you know, flexibility is a big thing, um, being able to do it at your home. If you've got a computer, most jobs can, most of the back end or what I refer to as white collar jobs can probably be done on a computer today at home. Um, I actually know quite a lot of people that still do the job while they're on vacation. Um, the other interesting thing is it reduces your cost. Um, so, you know, think of it this way. If you've got an online store, um, if you're doing meetings like this, for example, do you really need to have the cost of an office, you know, or a retail space? And, um, you know, retail spaces can become expensive. Can you do it all online? Uh, can you manage that out of, you know, you do delivery to your clients. and uh, They don't have to come to you. You, do it, you give it to them. So, again, you don't have to have... The expense of that, that store. However, stores are a good um, thing for businesses because you know I think stores will always be a need for people, uh, but you can reduce that overall cost. Um, I think those are mainly the, the, the main um, advantages. And I think the other one then is that ability, that flexibility to manage your, your family as well. So again, if you've got that need, that childcare cost I mean, that can get very expensive. I I know having specialized care gets very expensive very quickly. Um, So having that ability to work from home, that flexibility, you know and if you have to deal with an emergency or or an issue uh, with your child or your young adults or your adults that you've got in the home that you're looking after, working from home gives you that flexibility, gives you that, that ability to deal with that. As well as do the role that you're 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 running, so that you can earn your income.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I I love being able to work from home, which also you kind of touched on something that um, I want to kind of lead into. What do you see as the role of social media marketing? I mean, I'm a big social media person. I spend a lot of time on. Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was a power influencer with Flipboard, which a lot of people don't have never even heard of. I think Flipboard's great. I actually used it for homeschooling for Peyton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and now I've gotten really intrigued with this Clubhouse app. I think it's pretty awesome. And so I'm a big social media person. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you see as the role like how do you see, like, okay, let me just say this. I used to love Periscope, okay? Now Periscope's going bye-bye, okay? We're right. getting right away. Right. Um, what do you see as the role now for social media and going forward, and how do you see that for small business as both pro and con?
1: Interesting question. Um, Because, again, I think that the problem with social media is, you know, we've all seen it in the media. We've all seen um, things going on with social media. But I'd like to take a step back a little bit, if I could, Lynn. Um, We're we're probably talking about here marketing. Um, And how do you get the word out? How do you market your business? Um, Or how do you market? Or how do you go to the market? One of the conversations I have with a lot of clients is, Where are you, what is your, first thing you've got to understand is, what is your target market? Okay? Who are you targeting? What is the profile of that market? What are the profile, the personas of those individuals? And as I was talking to another client this week is, where do those people actually go? Where do they go for their information? Do they go to social media for their information? Do they go to a storefront for their information? Do they get that information on door-to-door, people coming around knocking on the door? Do they get that from referrals, for example? So really what I'm looking at is where is that market? So if you look today at uh, the younger generation, probably maybe 30 and below, Instagram. Instagram is a very, very um, prevalent um, platform. And some of the new platforms that are out there, TikTok, you know, some of the younger kids out there are using more of the TikTok and the older generations go to Facebook and go to other platforms, etc. So one of the things I would say is understand who you're targeting, understand what they need and then understand where they go. And then from there, how do you engage there? How do you engage that market in that place? And how do they actually receive information? So for example, a lot of the youth today go to YouTube for information. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to YouTube to learn everything, okay? Because of the videos and the, the video explosion. Um, that's where they learn from. TikTok's another area where they, they, they have more fun there, but TikTok is coming out with other, with other places. Instagram's got Reels, for example. But how do you engage them? How do you connect with your market? And then how do you create the content, the information, the segments that then appeal to that market, okay? So that you're actually um, engaging, communicating, and sharing and showing in that environment that really appeals to that target market that you're looking for. So so kind of a long way to answer your question. It's not you know, one social media versus the other. It's more about where, what is your market? What is that target? Um, and we could talk more about how to break down targets, but where do they reside? Where do they get their information? Where do they learn from? Because that's what people want to do, is they want to learn.
0: I love that, that's a great answer. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, like, okay, I love my website and one of the things I'm proudest of with my website is, you know, I've had people say to me, well, you know, you could upgrade it this way, you could do this, and I'm like, Peyton designed that. Mm -hmm. And that is being an autism activist, that to me is one of the greatest parts of my website is that my autistic child designed and built that website. Yes. So that's a big thing to me. And I do feel that websites are important because I know with me, I've gone to people's websites before and then they're a disaster. They're mm-hmm. either hard mm-hmm. to manipulate around or I don't Absolutely. find what I want or it mm-hmm. looks like, you know, tw- you know, a two-year-old put it together, excuse me, and I just go away from the website. Right. And so I do think that's a part of it. But you're right with the who is your audience. And it's funny you say that because my I get response from Twitter for this and I get response from Instagram. I'll use those, just those two. I get it from all of them, but just those two. And they're very different responses. Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. tell it's very different audiences.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Mass marketing doesn't work. It really what? doesn't. And the no, and message has got to be curtailed. Um, to that audience, and um, actually, there's a there's a there's a segment over my shoulder here. It's called disc. Um, disc is is basically understanding people, how people interact with others. So one of the things that we work with our clients is how to create high disc messaging, how to appeal to people that are results orientated, how to appeal to people that are kind of fun, uh, strategic uh, people. How are people that. You know, want more information, that wants all the information before they make a decision. Um, how do you get messages out to people that are really looking for you know, the, the, the S people over here? They want more information, they want to see videos, they want to do things before they buy, because 80% of selling is emotion. So um, when you're, as you said, when you're getting things from Twitter, it's probably because you created that message to that market in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if you do it in a high disc format, using specific words and, and um, solutions, may I say, you'll get a response from there. If you go to Instagram, you're using a different solution, using different words. Um, and that's what we start to work with people around. And, and the other big thing, by the way, is a thing that we call with them, what's in it for me. One of the biggest things that businesses fail to do, and I see it time and time and time again, is they will send a message out and it's all about the company. Folks, i got to tell you, it's not about your company. It's not about your product. It's about the person that's going to buy the product from you. Yeah. That's what you should be saying. That's what you should be communicating. So when you're creating a message, when you're creating a campaign, talk about what, think about what's in it for them. Okay? Test it. Test it with some people. I, I use a test base for a lot of my clients at different segments. And I go, hey, I've got this message. What do you think? Would you open this email? Would you have a look at this flyer? Would you have a look at this website? What does it mean to you? We get a lot of great, great feedback. Use use your use your network to build those with withums for you. So when you do put them out into into your target market, that they're they're actually proven and get your results at the end of the day.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right because if I get, you know, I. I so often get frustrated with companies because I'll contact them and give them either something pro that they can do, you know, that they've done for autism or something Mm -hmm. negative Mm -hmm. that I feel they can improve on. And they blow me off because their attitude is, you know, I'm not saying all companies, but some, and they'll blow me off and kind of have this attitude like, well, you know, that's not the big segment of the population. And I think to myself, you don't understand it's a much bigger segment of the population than you realize. And by the way, you've now told me, who's not autistic, but I have an autistic child, that you don't care about my business. So I'll mosey on down the road.
1: Right. right. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's one thing that I love about Black Bear Diner is that they immediately, like when I told them Peyton loves that restaurant because he finds it very comforting inside, yeah. they took to that. They yeah. took right to it. And I'm like, yeah. I love you. They have 147 restaurants. It's not like they're just a little local mom and pop here. You know? And I I love that. I love and I'll tell you, when businesses treat autism families right or listen to our message or interact with us, <laughs> we as autism, the autism community jump to them. Right. and we spread it around yes so i i love that you know and i yeah. love what you just said okay so yeah. here's and
1: black, and black bear by the way is fantastic food folks me and lynn went there the other day phenomenal absolutely phenomenal food. it is I love. And, and service was spectacular so uh black Bear in the woodlands you did a fantastic job there the other day
0: yes i will i love them <laughs> it, 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 cracker barrel used to be my very favorite restaurant i used to always tell my husband if i could live in a house between Cracker Barrel and Tractor Supply, I'd be the happiest person I, would say I need a Cracker Barrel, a Black Bear, and a Tractor Supply, because I'm in love with Tractor Supply,
1: too. Uh, any any time we, we travel up to Waco or we go on a, on a road trip, uh, Cracker Barrel is always on on the route plan, uh, yeah. because we've got to have the biscuits and uh, we got to have some dinner there. So uh, they also do a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic do. dinner. Yeah. I love homey type restaurants. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. And they treat, I mean, again, one of the things, look at when, when you're in those restaurants, I mean, I was up at another restaurant there the other day, Gianni's and Tombo, and their, their staff have been with them over a decade. Look at the staff and how long they've been there, and it just shows you how well they treat their staff. So uh, another hint out there for, for folks in the, uh, in the restaurant business, make sure you're looking after your folks.
0: I I completely agree because how they how they're treated is how they treat you at the table and Absolutely. how in that Absolutely. Tra- you know translates back and,
1: and not just restaurants but on all businesses we should be making sure that we're looking after our employees
0: uh, I completely right agree yep and that's another that's another big thing that I really um you know bang the drum on for mm. if they have an autistic employee like you know, at the grocery stores, a lot of the grocery stores like H-E-B here in Texas, Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. hire autistic adults to bag and stuff. And I'm telling you, the way that their, um, you know, employees, their cashiers, like, okay, we used to go to the one um, off of 2920, that Mm -hmm. H-E-B. We really liked that one. And there was a young man who was autistic Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he bagged. And I'm telling you, Those cashiers at that one, they were so, so protective of him. And if anybody smart-talked him, you know, Mm -hmm. pop-talked him, those cashiers, they were right there to defend him. And I love that. And I love, I have seen HEB treat their autistic employees so well. And I love that. And I'm telling you, I'm more loyal to HEB because of it. Because I'm like, you know what? That could be my son that's banking groceries. And if somebody's going to be mean to him, if the people that are managers there, work there, have his back, boom, they've got yeah. my business.
1: And, and again, it's, it's giving somebody that, that work ethic. It's giving them that independence. And um, they're, they're learning life skills every single day. Um, you know, we all have to learn life skills every single day. But, you know, people with special needs, you know, needs that little bit extra. And and they're learning that, and they've got. I mean, that's self confidence. And I know a number of of kids in in our neighbourhoods that have worked in the HEVs and the Krogers that have autism. And honestly, they are the brightest, most sunniest disposition of anybody in those stores. They just love to help, and um, and they do a fantastic job. So you know, hats off to those that are, that are employing autistic, and, you know, and kids out there and, and have them in their businesses. I mean, they they are such lovable people uh, when you're doing work with them or you're buying from them. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And, I agree. And, they, and their smile. Their smile is just contagious. It really is. <laughs>
0: Peyton is. Peyton is just, I say this all the time. Peyton has taught me patience beyond mm-hmm. belief.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: admire him so much because mm-hmm. I can't imagine getting up every morning and just having to fight the battle. Right. And he does. Yeah. And yet he, he has unconditional love Mm -hmm. and he will do anything for anybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's made me, my husband, who is a stepfather and my other kids, better people, because we feel like, you know what, if Peyton can plow through this, we can certainly plow through it.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, last Christmas Eve Our church. I love my church so much The Woodlands United Methodist and they have a major special needs program there Mm -hmm. and they have their special needs Christmas program. And I'm telling you, I came away from that filled with so much love and so much of the Christmas spirit because the love that is shown to them Mm -hmm. is just unbelievable. And I just love people and love businesses that get up in the morning and say, how can I make a positive impact in my community? Yes. And, you know, I feel like too so much, this is another reason why I so desperately want to help autism family start businesses because we're also not only are we contributing to society, making society better and helping them with the future and less stress for them for, you know, who's going to take care of my child, but we're, really advancing awareness, activism, and acceptance of autism by being those kind of businesses.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, an, and awareness. I mean, it's all about awareness. It's all about acceptance. And, exactly. you know, and, you know, we've got to work at it. Honestly, we we got to work at it. As businesses, we've got to work at it.
0: Yeah. And that's why I wanted you as my first guest because I'm my, you know, eight-part series, my, you know, eight-week series, because I, there, we can be as passionate and as, you know, consistent on we want of spreading our message, but if we do it right and we Mm -hmm. make sure that the business fundamentals are there properly, Mm -hmm. imagine the the growth can be everywhere. I mean, that's why I love this. And that's why, too, you know, being an action coach, so often, you know, so many people nowadays really, you know, self, you know, decide that they're a life coach or whatever. But I find in business we really need that mentorship because you need somebody to be that I don't want to, I don't want to say negative, but can point out the pros and the cons and the pluses and the minuses and kick you in the butt and teach you how to do it better because if you're gonna go through the expense. The energy and the time and the emotion to start a business. Let's set it up for for you know for the future, and that's why too. My, I kind of leading into this. What are some of the best ways? We touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the best ways to set it up to prepare for the future with a business?
1: Um, really good question. So I think you know the, the way I kind of communicate is it's kind of like the setting up a house. You know, you've got to build a solid foundation. Okay? So as you're setting up a business, be be very cognizant, be very deliberate about building the foundation. And the first thing you're going to do when building a foundation is, and I mean, go look at, and I use the housing industry all the time, but when you're building a house, what's the first thing you do? You plan. You plan the location. You plan the, the plot of land. You plan... And, and document what you're going to do. How are you going to build it? What are the plans? Okay, you're not gonna turn around to somebody and say, go build me a house, and they go, well, what do you want me to build? Oh, whatever you want, go build it. No, you've got a plan, you've got a set of plans. You've got walls, you've got a base, you've got walls, you've got rooms, you've got lighting instru- structure, you've got um, AC, you've got a roof, you've got windows. It's planning, it's all about plan, 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 plan. And I can't stress planning enough. Okay, the more you plan, the easier it will be. Then you implement your solid foundations, you build that base, and then you build the solid walls. And, and in Action Coaches terms, I mean, we refer to it as master. Um, what is your destination? What is your mission? What is your vision? What is your culture? By the way, culture is the types of people you want to bring into your business. Then you've got to kind of look at managing your uh, time. By the way, you can't manage time, let's try it here, let's try and manage the next five seconds. Yeah, nobody's, no, nobody can manage that. Um, It's about self-mastery. What are the things you're going to do in that moment, in that time? And we look at how do you manage critical and important things? How do you set up your calendar to drive those? The other area is around delivery. How do you make sure you deliver on your promises? Very, very critical in, in customer services and when you're dealing with products and services. How do you make sure you deliver on your promises and deliver all the time? And then the financials. How do you make sure you've got solid financials behind your business? How do you make sure you understand your break-evens? Understanding not only your break-even, your fixed break-even, but your variable break-evens. You'd be surprised how many people don't know this, folks. But how do you make sure you master all of those things? And then really when you're, then you get into what we refer to as niche. That's getting into your profitable cash flow, your predictable cash flow. How do you get into that? Because now what you're trying to get into is ensuring you've got regular income coming in. A Couple of areas to work on with people around that is around your unique selling proposition. What is unique about you? What is unique about you in a five square mile radius if that's your territory? How do you make sure that you stand out from the crowd? There's many, many people out there probably doing the same thing you do, but how do you make yourself unique um, talking to a, a young lady there this week, and she's in an interesting business for, for a lady. And uh, her unique selling proposition is actually going to be that she, is, she owns the business as a woman, and she is the person that you deal with. So, women, don't be afraid of having a, a, an issue if you've got, say, a car that's had a collision. As a woman, that's one of the places that, that ladies don't like to go because the experience in the past hasn't been as positive. That's going to be unique to her. Um, so making sure you've got a unique uniqueness about your business and you stand out from the crowd. The other thing we talk about is guarantees. What are the guarantees that you actually make about your business, your service, your products? If there are legislation or rules, or rules uh, that the government's put in place or other agencies put in place, You have to give those guarantees. Well, guess what? Use those as part of your marketing. Uh, those are free. Okay, so if you have to get it, say that you're giving it, make it a guarantee. Um, If it isn't, then you've got to make a guarantee. And and why do we ask people to make guarantees? Because it removes risk, okay? People, when they want to go buy something, don't want to, they want to minimize the risk. So making a unique selling proposition, giving guarantees, remove that. Um, I talked about knowing your audience. Okay, making sure you know your audience. What are you selling? So when you get into this area, where are your leads coming from? What are those leads? How are you converting those leads? How are you taking those conversions and making them customers? Then having a look at your customers, how many times do they buy from you? How much is your average um, spend um, from that customer? That gives you your overall uh, revenue. Then you multiply your, your market. Uh, sorry, your margins, and then your margins give you your profit. So, long answer, but it's about setting up foundations, having those foundations in place, mastering the basics, and then really understanding your cash flow, and your marketing, how that marketing is generated, how you converting those people through to uh, paying customers or paying clients, and then keeping those clients on a regular basis. How do you get them keeping coming back? Those are the two big areas that I see as you're, you're starting up the business, setting it up, that you need to work on. And then we get into other things like leverage and teams and synergies and things like that. But those are further on down the path. But the basics, get a, get a plan, solid plan, get a foundation in place, get that foundation solid, get your predictable cash flow going. That's what we work on. and And again, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of and passion, and one of the things that we do here in Action Coach is we actually reduce the learning time. We actually reduce the amount of mistakes you make because I got to tell you the amount of mistakes that businesses make, and I've made some myself, um, is is incredible, and every one of them is costly. So mm-hmm. don't 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 fall into the traps. Don't fall into the old traps. We're here to help.
0: Yeah. It- Boy, you've given a lot. I mean, I I love this. I mean, you know, I'm a big, big, big believer in mentors. Like Mm -hmm. I always have been. I'm a big believer in mentors. And um, I used to spend a lot of time in the Middle East. Anybody that knows me knows I spent an enormous amount of time in the UAE. I mean, I've been to, this is true. I've been to Dubai so many times that I can honestly drive around Dubai better than I can Houston. And I live here. Um, and I, I I love it. And my mentor was um, for the Middle East. I had a mentor and it's uh, former ambassador, Sam Zockham. And he was the first Arab-born ambassador to the Middle East to Bahrain. And um, I love him. I mean, he's like a dad to me. And um, he is, he mentored me. He's <laughs> the one who said to me, look, if you you want to really, you know, be able to do what you want to do in the Middle East, you need to understand the culture better too. Right. Yes. And, you know, he taught me it. I learned Arabic and all these other things. And I learned a lot. And people would say to me in America, oh, but you're a woman and you're coming, you know, you're going over there because I've been to Saudi Arabia. I've been, you know, all over Yemen, you know, Bahrain, you know, the UAE, Yemen, um, Oman, Kuwait. Oh, there's no way they take you serious. I'm like, yeah, actually they do. And it's because I learned how to interact with them. I learned their culture. I didn't go over there with the attitude of, okay, I'm an American, I'm a woman, you're gonna listen to me. I went over there of, I'm an American, I'm a woman, but I love your culture and I'm going to meet you halfway. You Mm -hmm. meet me halfway, I'll meet you halfway. And they Mm -hmm. did, and it worked great. Mm -hmm. And I think that is true in any and all business. You have to learn how much do you do to meet your client? And how much do you want your client to do to meet you? And that's why I believe in mentors so much because a mentor, you know, let's be honest, we all have to have that sounding board and we can go yepity yep at our friends, but unless they've really been successful at owning a small business or starting a business, they're either just going to yes you or they're going to sit there and give you a critique that they don't really know what they're critiquing you on. They're just trying to help you. And that's why I believe so strongly in like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a thousand other things we could still cover, but our time is almost up, but I want to put this at the end. Anybody that's listening to this really, really need to look up Andrew as the action coach, Northwest Houston. Make sure you look up Andrew Lamb. And if you're in the area, please, please put this on your to-do must-do list. January 9th, he has a Saturday Action Coach event, you will learn more in that day than you will probably learn in three years owning a business. And let me tell you something, it's a whole lot cheaper to go for that one day than three years because you're not only going to blow a lot of money in three years, you're going to waste a lot of time, energy, and emotional energy. Go get it right from the start. Do it. And I... I recommend Andrew. I think this is a really really good program and I if you are an autism family and you want to attend, please reach out to me and I'll work with you on this too because I think Andrew is so important to helping you get this business started. I am so passionate about helping autism families secure their future and Let's do the businesses right. Let's Mm -hmm. get the right mentors. Let's get the right people coaching you. You know, I have somebody who's like a son to me. He actually, I have a podcast with him, Everett Dawkins. Everett played for Florida State University, football Mm -hmm. went to the pros. And Everett made a comment one time to me about the coaches he had growing up. And he said, they didn't always sit there and tell me, yeah, you're great, Everett. Okay. They kicked me in the butt. They told me what I needed. And he said, I was a better football player for the right coaches. I yeah. had the right coaches.
1: Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely.
0: You know, let's be honest. The people, we're all watching college bowl games now. The teams that win are the ones with the right coaches. What's the first thing we scream when our teams lose? Fire the coach. coach. Okay. <laughs> let's get the right coach. <laughs> <laughs> the right coach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. And yes, 9th of January, we have a uh, face-to-face um Growth Club, we call it Growth Club. It's a planning activity for 2021. And we'll be focusing on 2021 plus Q1. So getting your plan ready for that. We'll also be having an online version for those that are not in Houston. And that's going to be on January 11th. Um, So we're actually going to do a virtual one. Uh, We haven't done a lot of uh, promotion on that one, but we will be shortly. And then the other offer that I have for your viewers out there, uh, Lynn, is for those that want to do a strategic plan, I have this little uh, coupon here. So we have a three year strategic plan. We do this complimentary for businesses. And again, if you wanna come down and sit down with us, just have a look at your business. Uh, Let's have a look at a three year strategic plan, how we can help you. And we'll go through, we'll ask you a number of searching questions. Um, We will go through it and then we will come up with the areas that you need to focus on to develop your three year plan. And so that one is actually complimentary. So uh, if you can't get to a, a growth club planning event, which you should, by the way, if you're in business, you should be having a plan. If you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice, but um, but if you can't make that one, at least um, contact us, uh, our office here, um, you can actually schedule a uh, through your strategic business plan. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on the web. For sure, Lynn, you're gonna put that in, in the, content, on the content below. And um, Lynn, thank you very much for inviting us here today, we really appreciate it. We love your passion, and uh, we love everything that you're doing. And to everybody else out there, um, I'm wishing everybody a happy, happy New Year. Uh, and let's not hope for 2021 to be a great year. Let's let's plan for it, and let's make it a great 2021.
0: I completely agree, and I, you know, my my uh, motto, my slogan is. Let's turn autism into awesomism. And I think one of the ways that we can do this too is helping people set up successful businesses so that that stress of the future is taken away. And that's why I was so excited to have you on here because I truly think what you're doing is a way to help turn autism into awesomism.
1: Yeah, so don't be afraid to call us. Hey, a phone call costs you nothing.
0: Exactly. You have a wonderful day, Andrew. You Happy do. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.